Welcome to the podcast. This is Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I want to talk about the three stages of the Christian life, and then I want to ask this question, where are you? Stage one, stage two, or stage three? In fact, that's the title of the article. Three stages to the Christian life. Where are you? Did you know that there are three stages to our Christian walk? There's the innocent, naive stage. You remember that when God, right after the Lord regenerated you. Yippee, praise God, this is fantastic. And then the next stage is the complex suffering stage. At some point after your regeneration, you begin to learn the ropes. You actually go back to your regeneration certificate and you read the fine print and you realize, oh my word, there is suffering involved. There is complexity of soul. Did not know that. Didn't sign up for that. And so we have the innocent, naive stage. Then we have the complex suffering stage. And if you trust the Lord through your season of complexity, you will experience the restful and wisdom stage. That's number three. Which will be where you will find your most significant usefulness in God's world. And so if you want to read this podcast, I would love for you to do that. It's free. It's on the internet. If you can access the internet, go to rickthomas.net. Type in three stages to the Christian life. Type in three stages. That will be enough. Just those two words in this article will pop up. It's a little bit over 2,000 words, and you're welcome to read it and share it with a friend. Someone just asked today, how can I share an article? Well, it's easy to do. All you have to do is copy the URL in your browser and then paste it in a text or email. You can do that. There's also a print feature where if you wanted to, you can print it off and you can just hand it to someone. But the easiest thing to do is to copy and paste the URL in the browser and you can share it with whomever you wish. And I hope that you will do that. Three stages to the Christian life. Where are you? I want to get into that, but today seems to seems to be like it's a a thank you day and so i want to share with you a couple of uh, thank you notes that were sent into our ministry today they're encouraging but in addition to that i i want to share these things with you because the recurring question that i get is tell me again rick what what is it that you do people a lot of people don't understand what i do and and sometimes it can be a challenge to explain. If I say Christian counseling or biblical counseling, they have an idea of what that is. It's an old pasty white guy sitting behind a desk wearing a white suit and a necktie. The only part of that that actually describes me is I'm an old pasty white guy. <laughs> but I don't sit behind a wooden desk and... Well, the last suit I bought was 1994. We just had this discussion recently. I have to speak in a church this summer, and they're 
they're requiring that I wear a suit. And so we're debating, do I buy a suit? Or I was telling Lucia, the one that I have, the one that I bought in, well, maybe it was 1992 when I actually, no, actually, I think it was 1990 when I bought the suit because I was speaking in Bible college. And so it's almost 30 years old, and it is an excellent suit, in my opinion. I had two of those. I did see the other day that one of them had holes in it, and so we had to get rid of it. But the other one is perfectly fine, and so we're having that discussion. But I don't wear suits, and I don't sit behind a desk, and some people have this traditional view of what a biblical counselor is, and, and then they try to fit what I do into that, and it doesn't quite fit, and so I have to explain to them what I do. I mean, right now, I'm wearing a t-shirt. I have no socks on. And I'm sitting here at a table uh, that's comfortable for me. Uh, one of the blessings about being old is that you're more about comfort at this stage of life than, uh, uh, than reputation or in image management. And I'm not so much into image management as I care less about what people think. And I, I kind of enjoy my comfort within biblical boundaries, of course. But still, I want to share these things with you because people do ask, and maybe this will help to understand how uh, God is using this ministry and, and how we use the redemptive uh, use of technology to help people. Jason said, I discovered your ministry during a time of deep suffering in my life, and I found so much wisdom and help in the material on this website. It has been a true blessing. Since then, I've had the privilege of leading two classes at my church on the subject of suffering, the first using your articles as source material, the latest using your book, Suffering Well, as source material. Your book is touching lives in a very real way. I think each of us in the class has read and prayed and self-examined and reread the book several times, gleaning new insights and getting new revelations each time. Our little group has loaned or given the book away to a dozen or more people as well. I encourage every believer to read it, whether they think they need it or not. We all need it. Thank you for your service. I am one of the lives that were impacted by this ministry. Jason wrote that. And then Rhonda said, I work in three state prisons, medium and high security. I've started sharing your articles and want you to know the impact has been breathtaking at times. And that was from uh, Rhonda. And then Ellen wrote in and said, This ministry and the resources offered have been extremely helpful to me as I have been moving through a season of suffering. My mind is being renewed and my heart is healing. Thank you for this ministry. And that was Ellen. I share these things with you because we do do ministry differently than the traditional pasty white guy sitting behind a wooden desk with a big black Bible open wearing a white shirt and a necktie. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but it's just not who we are. And so many years ago, we sat down. It was in 2008, actually, it'd be 11 years ago this summer. How can we do ministry by making the most of technology, using websites and, and building resources online that can reach a maximum number of people? And again, it's a little bit off the beaten path for a lot of people. And that's why I wanted you to hear those testimonies from Ellen and 
Rhonda and Jason that God is using the ministry, and I, I do thank God for them and, and the others who come to us and how the Lord is using the ministry for their benefit. Now, I hope that you'll be interested in this article. I hope that you'll be able to diagnose yourself, that you'll be able to self-reflect, think about where you are when it comes to three stages to the Christian life. And I want to begin sharing this with you. I want to paint a brief picture in your mind, and I want you to think about this to, to just give you an idea of, of where I want to launch from, and then, and then we'll talk about these three, three stages. Think about a father holding an infant child on his shoulder, and that child is sleeping. All of you who have had children, you remember that time, that beautiful time, when the children were so innocent, they were a picture of contentment. I remember going in with all three of our children and, and staring at them as they slept. One of the most beautiful pictures that you'll ever see is an infant, infant sleeping in its crib. And the beauty, the contentment, the restfulness... And sometimes I've had this thought that you are actually living your best life now, baby. That is your best life now. Because every adult knows that, that these are some of the best days of a child's life. Though no child knows how good they have it, that baby laying in that crib is secure, protected, loved by their parents. And that's how things are supposed to be. But it's not how things will continue for that little baby. A storm is brewing. There is coming a day when her life will not be so simple. There's coming a time when real challenges and difficulties will calibrate and maybe govern this little girl's heart. And the choices that she makes when her time of suffering comes will determine the quality of her life. Now, this worldview that I'm sharing with you means that, that this baby, that this baby, that, that she is like the rest of us. And what I mean by that is that suffering is the only option. Nobody in the history of humanity has, have, has ever had another choice about personal complexity. Even Jesus had no other door that he could walk through when it, when it came to suffering. You know that what I'm saying is accurate. And while this knowledge may not make you warm and fuzzy, I don't expect it to. But you know you will not escape this life without heartbreak and adversity. It is impossible. There are no exceptions but here is something that you may not have thought. While there are no exceptions to the suffering mandate, there are options regarding how you respond to the suffering that comes into your life. How you choose to suffer will make all the difference in the world. Now, do not misunderstand this. You do have a choice in how you want to endure hardship. You may not be able to control your suffering, but you can choose how you respond to it. It is imperative for you to work through your complexity in a God-honoring way. And when you do, you'll find an inexpressible gift on the other side of your complexity. 
Oliver Wendell Holmes said that there is a simplicity on the other side of complexity. Let me give you the exact quote, and, and then I'll work through that quote through the remainder of this podcast. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, quote, I would not give a fig for the simplicity this side of complexity, but I would give my life for the simplicity on the other side of complexity. I have found his statement to be true in my life. As I have run it through the filter of scriptures, there is a simplicity on the other side of complexity for the Christian. It is a beautiful place to be when life is hard. Let me explain. After I first became a Christian, <laughs> I, was, I was wonderfully naive. Like the little girl in her daddy's arms or the baby in the crib, asleep, innocent. God had regenerated me by the power of his gospel, and life was fresh and fun. The sun was shining. I was not guilty any longer because of God's gospel, and it seemed like everything was finally turning around for me. I was living in a blissful innocence that was real. It was really real and hope-filled I did not need anything. My God supplied all my needs through Christ Jesus. He was kind. Life made sense. And there was a clear path forward. I was full of optimism. I was living in the simplicity on this side of complexity. The title of the podcast is, There are three stages to the Christian life. Where are you? That is where I was. I was living in the simplicity on, the, on this side of complexity. And within five years of my rebirth, things turned terrible for me. My life hit a, a major roadblock, which would be more accurate to say impending annihilation. The life I thought I was going to experience as a Christian was slipping through my fingers, and the more I grabbed for what I had, the faster it slipped away. Perhaps you have done this at the ocean, where you grab the wet sand, and the tighter you grip it, it oozes between your fingers. One of the many mistakes I made during the days of my naivete was this blooming idea that my life was going to resemble, resemble a, a happily ever after scenario. I thought I was living the happily ever after life and it never occurred to me that that was in the here and now. But actually the happily ever after life is in heaven when he will wipe away all of our tears and death shall be no more and there'll be no more mourning or crying or pain anymore. Those former things will have passed away, as Jesus said in Revelation 21 verse 4. It did not connect with me that I would have complexity in my post-regeneration life. I thought that I had lived through my, compl my complexity which was my pre-regenerate days as a child of Satan, I thought that was my complexity. 
the first quarter century of my life, God regenerated me at 25. And the rest of my life, I, I thought, for the most part, would be persecution and trouble-free. Somehow the scriptures that spoke of suffering while on earth did not resonate with me. Quite frankly, it is odd that I did not know this because almost all of the Word of God is a book about people going through present tense troubles. I mean, Jesus is quite clear in 1633 of John. He said, I have said these things to you that, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Somehow, that verse and a zillion others had, had slipped by me. Even the man who said those words, John, was about to be killed for his faith. It's kind of like the lady you see on the local news when asked about the tragedy that just happened to her family. And she says something like, I've heard about people going through such things as this, but... I never thought it would be me. Well, that was me. That's how I lived in my simplicity on this side of complexity. But now, my life of innocence had, had come to a screeching halt. It was time for me to grow up. Just like the, the little girl laying on, a, in her baby, or on her daddy's shoulders, living within the insulated care of her daddy. She has to grow up. It was time for me to grow up too. The early days of my Christianity were happy days. Jesus loved me. I loved him. We were doing great together, by the way. I was okay. He was okay. Those were the days of my innocence. Those were also the days of being naive. It reminds me of a friend who gave me some unrealistic parenting advice several years ago. The reason his parenting advice was unrealistic is because he didn't have any children. Then God gave him a child, and that made all the difference in his world. He came back and apologized for his naive counsel. Now, he didn't have to confess his ignorance to me. It was not necessary, but he was humble enough and, and broken enough as he was now in his complexity. But I understood that there, there was a, a simplicity on the other side of complexity, and he had not entered into his complexity yet when he gave me that unwise parenting advice. His day was coming, and it did. My day also occurred when the season of my youthful Christianity was about to take a turn that would forever change me. This transition happens to all of us. Our walk with Christ must go through the refining fires of complexity for us to be shaped by Him for His glory, for our good, for the benefit of others. When the Savior entered into Gethsemane, He stepped into an oil press, which is what the word actually means. Gethsemane is an oil press. An oil press is essentially two flat rocks where the olives are placed on the one while they lower the other on top of the bottom one with the olives between the two. The mashing and grinding of the olives produces valuable oil. Though God will call none of us to suffer like Jesus we all will be called upon to endure our unique challenges. That is inevitable, unavoidable option that none of us can escape. 
to suffer is one of the callings that the Lord places on all Christians, as First Peter was abundantly clear in 2.21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. When these truths began to dawn on me, guess what I did? I complained. I complained to God. I acted like a victim of my circumstances. I hated the complexity that came over me. I wanted the simpler days when life was happy. But it did not matter how much I complained. My situation was not going to change. God could not let up on me. He had me in his press, and he had ordained for me, and he was not going to stop squeezing me because he was going to complete in me what he started. As Paul said in Philippians 1.6, And I am sure of this, Paul said, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We read that verse. We make it our life's verse. We put it on our bumper stickers, but we do not know in its entirety what it means when, when God is going to bring to completion all that he is working in us. Job thought about it this way in 23.13. He says, but God is unchangeable and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. Complexity has always been my concern for the people who come to me for counseling the Lord hurls them into their complexity like the tossing of Daniel in a den full of lions. But unlike Daniel, rather than looking for God during their complexity, they respond in anger, hurt, bitterness, self-pity. Like me, they complain. Rather than reclaiming what used to be, my innocence, my simplicity on the other side of this complexity God always allows suffering in our lives to show us how things can be. All Christians know this, and all Christians can sign off on what I'm saying here as long as they are not asked to go through personal suffering. The key to personal suffering is finding God in hardship. Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were three men who, who not only looked for God in the fiery furnace, but found Him during their time of heated persecution. Because of this, they experienced God in their complexity. Though I did not like it when God sent me into my complexity, by the grace of God, I found Him in it. And that is what made all the difference. God will make himself known to anyone who wants to see him during their time of suffering. But don't think you can fool him as though you can change his mind. You remember what I shared earlier about Job when he said in 23.13, He is unchangeable. Who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. If you genuinely want to find God, He will let you find Him. If you're playing a game 
or being stubborn or manipulative or are determined to be self-seeking. The pain you receive in your complexity will not redound to God's glory, your good, or the benefit of others. There have been many Christians who have died in their sphere of complexity, in their crucible of complexity, never able to escape and never willing to accept what God was writing into their story. They resigned themselves to a lesser life of sublunary lovers that never really satisfied their souls. They wanted what they wanted more than they wanted God. And there have been millions of Christians who have persevered during some of the harshest trials imaginable. And because of the persevering grace of God in their lives, they experienced something otherworldly. It was a peace that passes human comprehension. Paul talked about that in 4.7 of Philippians. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This kind of perseverance comes only through faith. Though you do not see Him, will you trust Him? You remember the text in 11.27 Hebrews talking about Moses. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he, listen to this, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's why I, I said this kind of perseverance, endurance, comes only through faith. Though you do not see him, will you trust him? If you will trust God through your difficulties, and tenaciously cling to Him, you will find and experience what every Christian experienced when they came out on the other end of their complexity. Job said it this way in 23.10, But He knows the way that I take. When He has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Peter, who said we're all called to suffer, said it this way in one eight of his first book. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Will you believe Him? Will you trust Him? God loves you so much that He will go to impossible lengths to help you to become like His dear Son. Believe it. There is no other kind of simplicity. I'm sorry. There is another kind of simplicity on the other side of complexity, and it is entirely different from the immature simplicity that is before your crucible of complexity. I thoroughly enjoy the memories of my early days with the Lord. Those were incredible days. I was, I was like a wild pony prancing on the hillside. Like a little girl comfortably resting on her daddy's shoulder, I was a new convert with my Abba Father. I was innocent and full of faith. Then God ratcheted things up for me, and when He did, the heartbreak came. It was my heart that was breaking, and He had to break it. Initially, I kicked against my Lord, but in time He tamed me through His incredible patience, His kindness, His forbearance. Eventually, I realized what He was trying to show me. 
I wrote a book about it, and I shared with you at the top of this podcast what Jason and his group said about that book as they have read it multiple times and have shared it with dozens of other people. I encourage you to get that book, Suffering Well. It is autobiographical as I I go through the book of Job and, and interweave my story into that book, and I would really encourage you to get it, read it, share it, and you will understand in a fuller way of what I'm trying to express in this podcast. But I began to get what he was trying to show me. There are peace and contentment that passes understanding, but you'll not be able to buy it as some have attempted. I'm referring specifically to Acts 8.20 when Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You'll have to die to get what God offers, and that is the only way to obtain it. And that's what Jesus said in 12.24, John, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears forth much fruit. The echo of the cross has to beat in our hearts if we want to experience abundant life with Christ. Reflecting, I see three gifts from the Father that I would never trade. The first two gifts from His hand I honestly do not care to repeat. The last one I hope to enjoy forever. Here they are, number one, three gifts. Number one, my innocent and naive days with the Lord. They were so good but they had to be more to God than young love. Number two, the crucible of suffering. It was horrible, but it was the only way to experience mature intimacy with God. And then finally, number three, a simplicity on the other side of complexity. This place is the unspeakable joy that comes from walking a path of suffering like Jesus. This place of rest and wisdom is where you'll find your most significant usefulness in God's world. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.